Welcome to the podcast Rise and Play. I am Sophie Vaux, your podcast host. I bring together leaders, entrepreneurs, fund makers, investors, and educators who are here to make a change in the industry. For a brighter and healthier future of the games we will make, and how we will make them. We're here to start a conversation because listening and asking the hard questions is sometimes enough to inspire change in us, to take the leap to. Let's begin. Today, I'm super excited to have Joachim on my podcast. Joachim Akren is a gaming entrepreneur with 15 years of experience from two venture-backed gaming startups, including Next Games, which IPO'd in 2017. Joachim is now running Elite Game Developers, a company that helps entrepreneurs start their first games company. He's also an angel investor in Skunkwork Games, Lightheart Entertainment, Savage Game Studio, and more. Joachim recently took on the role of venture partner at Play Ventures. Joachim and I know each other since a few years. We especially connected a lot on the common work we do on company culture and leadership. I am also myself involved in angel investing, and Joachim has been a great advisor and mentor here for me. Hi, Joachim. Very happy to have you here. How are you? Doing good, Sophie. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, this is great that you're doing a podcast. I, I'm so thrilled that you're sort of like going into this realm of uh, creating more content. I enjoyed your courses, the master classes that you created. So this is a, this is nice to see that people who know stuff in the game industry are sharing. So I'm I'm very glad you're doing this, and uh, I'm so happy you invited me to join this thing. Thank you. I have to be honest, you inspired me as well to actually get started, you know, to create my own content, share the things I care about and uh, sharing with the community. So you did influence me as well in also making this podcast indirectly. Thanks. That's really a big honor to hear that there's like the work that I'm putting out is also, you know, changing people's attitudes about like how to share in the industry. I think that's that's always sort of like something that you're not, I'm not maybe thinking about that enough. Like when I'm writing things that it's more about like, how do I help entrepreneurs? But it's also about how do I make people feel safe to share what they know in, you know, on social media online without sort of fearing that it would, you know, go out some way wrong or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But uh, you gave me really the courage to maybe be more detached about, uh, indeed, um, what people would think and really listen to myself, what I believe in, and just do it and experiment and, uh, you know, iterate and see what happens. Mm, yeah. So um, it's uh, it means a lot as well to me that we're doing this particular podcast together because, you know, it's very meta for me, but also as you have been at the origin in some way of it. Uh, but you are also now as a guest on the podcast. Yeah, it is great, great to to talk more about the, the things that we care about a lot. Mm -hmm. So I have my first question for the audience, maybe who know less about you. So you have a big background, of course, in gaming. You founded your own company and now you're more involved in uh, Elite Game Developers, a platform of uh, knowledge and elevating other founders, entrepreneurs in the industry. So... Can you share with us how did you start with uh, AGD? When was it? 
and especially what made you go on this path instead of building again another new company or you know join a fund yeah so like i i think like going back to like building building a games company is very hard and as as an entrepreneur i always was very much driven by like what kind of expectations i was setting for myself so this led me to burn out really in a bad way not really like thinking about like what am i doing wrong i'm just setting expectations here like any other entrepreneur would be doing that you need to work hard to achieve stuff that you want to as an entrepreneur so i i started getting these burnout symptoms already like several years ago but they were like very mild and it felt like okay if i if i take it easy for a while that they go away and they did go away but then the sort of like this severe burnout started in late 2018 and early 2019 when that was when i decided that i i had had enough about like being running and like chasing the startup dream in a gaming company especially on this operational side where i'm you know, working every day on this one thing to make it successful. So I also felt that like 15 years of being a game studio founder was enough for me. That that was a realization that happened there. But I, I think I was thinking about doing something else. So I left Next Games in, this was uh, end of February 2019. And I was I took some time off to think about like what I want to do. So I was very much inspired by these content creators online, content creators like podcasters, things like that. There's, I was listening to Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income uh, before I started Next Games, like in 2012, um, when it was sort of like a small show, and and when I when I was sort of like getting back to thinking about what I want to do. I checked out like, what's happening with his podcast like seven years ago and it, it had grown into this ginormous thing. And it felt like, hey, this is actually uh, a project that has long-term sort of like growth potential. And it sort of like scratches that itch of the entrepreneur that I want to be, to sort of like be a part of something long-term and something that can grow into being something big. So like the inspiration came from these people who were creating online resources uh, for, for other people. Uh, so I wanted to stay in gaming. So it felt like elite game developers as a platform for entrepreneurs who I was like myself would have needed 15 years ago, that kind of content that should exist online. And it wasn't there. So that's where it all started. I took this break of 30 days and it was like the last days of that break it was like I need to start doing something I was very very motivated and I started writing a book first the long-term game which I self-published last year and that was a project that I started doing and then I also kicked off the podcast in June of 2019 and including this all this Thing going on with elite game developers I also wanted to get into startup investing to work 
as an investor in gaming felt like also like another way to continue being involved in gaming, sort of like the graduating from founder status to investor. Maybe that it sounds a bit like iffy, it's not for everybody, but it felt like this this could be the thing because I want to help founders, like a way to get sort of like alignment there would be to be in, investing as well. But like you were asking like why I didn't start a new company or join a fund. Well, first off, I think the starting a new game studio was that I, I, I really felt I'd moved past that phase in my life where that was really all I was thinking about because it was very all-consuming. Like if you do, do that for 15 years, uh, it was time to, to move on. But like joining a fund, um, I, I think I want to keep elite game developers as, as kind of like a bigger thing than a side project. I feel it needs to be this main project that I'm doing. So that's why why I think like joining a fund, like becoming a full-time VC might not be the thing for me at this moment. But of course, like time will tell if, if things like orient differently. Thanks for sharing. I think you, let's come back to some parts you shared in uh, this first question that are relevant also for our discussion today. But uh, I'll point out as well a few things that you shared that are important as well to highlight. I think the first thing, and we don't talk so much about it, is the burnout. That happens actually not only when you're a founder and you have worked uh, very long on the same thing for a while, but you know, any anyone who's working in gaming or in a company at an important position where the stakes are high. And uh, I'm really grateful that you actually share so openly about this and also a turning point for you in your journey to find also other ways to um, to feed also what was driving you as a person, uh, your why, that we will come back also a bit later on, to uh, do the things meaningfully you are doing today. A second point I take as well from what you shared is this clarity of knowing really, again, what fulfills you and uh, not chasing um, the shining objects of what looks good, you know, like this uh, startup treadmill to really do the thing that you care about. Also helping the industry, uh, looking outwards as well, how to contribute to the system, which is uh, a big contribution, a big action as well from you. And uh, what leads to my follow-up question with uh, AGD, because you could have done many other things. And you decided to focus, and still today, this is one of your main tracks, important for you with EGD. But you didn't start with a success. And I think it's important maybe to come back to how from uh, the days you started uh, EGD, and I understand now you have more than 3,000 subscribers. You've been sharing this also regularly, quite openly on LinkedIn. So it grows each week, which is amazing. But I was curious on how you started it, from small, how you felt about it when it was small and how it grew and uh, basically how you continued the work independently from the external validation. Yeah, uh, like the whole thing about like doing sort of like this kind of like online resource is that it's so different. Like this is what I constantly think about. Like when you're developing a game or versus like developing a platform where you share content 
like both have users <laughs> like there's people who are engaging with both kind of content but like the difference here was this is sort of like uh, a trend that there it just keeps growing and growing on its own as long as I'm talking about meaningful things uh, so I think that was the the big difference I, I realized early on is that I just need to you know put in the work to create content and there will be people who will be listening and reading and that I will be touching more and more people who aspire to become entrepreneurs so that the target audience is out there. So like the growth stage is in a sense, I, I first started posting on Medium and I asked people to sign up to my newsletter. It was a bit like all over the place. Then I started the EliteGameDevelopers.com where I, I was still posting on Medium even though I had a blog. And it was sort of like, like, do I move over? What are the benefits of taking it away from Medium? Well, then you have all the traffic and you can pinpoint people to, to read other content when once they finish an article that you've written so that they don't wander off inside medium to read somebody else's stuff. You can, you can sort of like keep people engaged with what you're doing. So that was one of the main reasons I stopped medium. And I could also attract more people to join my newsletter, to listen to my podcasts. So I would say that the first few, like let's say 2000 subscribers for the newsletter came quite slowly and I, I started creating content where I was giving out templates and people were, uh, you know, exchanging that to get part of, like, let's say uh, I gave out convertible note template that you would input your email address to get that. So, and then you would also join my newsletter at that same instance. So there was a lot of good growth happening that way. And of course, like people would unsubscribe, like I send out the newsletter and there's dozens of people who unsubscribe. I think <laughs> we have too many sub stacks and everything going on. Like uh, it's just overwhelming sometimes how much stuff is coming to your inbox. But like, yeah. of course, like I'm happy to, to sort of like reach out to people through, uh, you know, having a podcast on Spotify. Maybe you're still following me there, but you don't read the newsletter at this stage but i think like now the growth sort of like is happening pretty much organically i'm still quite actively reposting things that i've brought out because i think most of the content that i've created is quite evergreen that's how i, I sort of like try to write is that it matters now and also in 10 years so the the growth of the subscribers for my content has been pretty organic for now yeah and i can confirm it's been an amazing content you put so much work into it and it's very very valuable content uh, for the goal you had like you wish you had that 10 years ago when you started your company although i haven't started my own company but as well like having launching my own studio is also an entrepreneurial path and a lot of this content is relevant even for people who are not just founders so a lot of value in the work you've been doing yeah one thing to add there really is like the more i spend time with different companies uh, now as an angel investor 
like versus like being in one company, sort of like heads down, thinking about what I'm doing. I'm learning so much from all these these startups that I'm working with and seeing sort of like patterns that I can recognize and and also share mm-hmm. these things that I'm recognizing sort of like on a meta level and and share that in the future content of elite game developers. So I think all the work that I'm doing sort of like coming funneling back into the content that I'm creating. Yeah. It's a compound effect. So the more you create, the more you attract, the more discussions you have and even better content you create. It's a beautiful system. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. And um, following up on some parts that you already shared, I think also you explained what was your motivation behind uh, creating EGD. But I was more curious here, what was your process with... um, Finding your why as an entrepreneur, founder, having clarity, what motivates you. So what was your process to, for your own personal journey to find even more clarity on what was your personal why to do EGD or other things you are doing right now? That's a really good question. So I, I think I have to go back to early 2013. I had just left Supercell and I was getting into starting next game so i was at the stage like uh, putting together the co-founding team i was doing some lectures and coaching uh, around finland going visiting these smaller tech hubs so i I frequently visited olu in northern finland where they had like few dozen small gaming startups and most of them were doing mobile and the founders were trying to figure things out they were it felt like this was like how I was thinking when I started doing my first startup and I felt a lot of pleasure and meaning from helping and talking and giving like mentorship to these founders. And it really felt like the best work I've ever done. And it's hard to pinpoint why that is, but like, but these might like these few things that like, might be the things that like like come to mind right now is like they were trying to accomplish things that are really hard and they were also receptive to the help that i was offering and if i could play even a small role in helping these entrepreneurs on their journey they would not need to go through it alone (laughs) in in a sense like i did a lot of things alone when i started in 2005 uh, I, I think that that really felt meaningful. So crystallizing that why uh, it it would be that I, I feel that it is the best and the most meaningful work that I've ever experienced. So I want these founders to never struggle the way I did. Of course, it's hard to to kind of like I I can't really be there to guide and like really know what they should always be doing. It's hard. But, but I know that there are struggles that they will face. So like the more I can help, the better. But I think that's the, where the why comes from. Yeah. And by just listening to you talking about it, I can hear that it's really a meaningful and fulfilling work for you. I think that's what also, as um, I would say, as humans, um, reading and following also, you know, podcasts about life development journeys, People are really looking for fulfillment. I think it's a kind of a new expectation of our society. You know, we just cannot be content with 
just uh, materialistic things. And I hear you have a lot, you had a lot of fulfillment from this activity. Am I getting this right? Yeah, it's. It, I, I think my sort of like motivations started shifting away from this in, extrinsic, like materialistic motivations. Uh, I, I probably never was very much into that, but it's sort of like that was the the way that I saw entre- being an entrepreneur, what it leads to is materialistic uh, and extrinsic motivations uh, or, or trying to, to achieve outcomes that are very much in extrinsic. Uh, but like the more I, I sort of like figured out that I don't want to be in the, in the startup treadmill as a founder myself anymore, the intrinsic things started bubbling up. Yeah, and there are the long-lasting motivations, the intrinsic ones, but it takes time to find and understand them. Yes, exactly. And so in addition to this extension of the why, you know, helping, supporting founders, you also uh, started an initiative with uh, Angel Investments, so putting out there more materials for uh, other people who want to support, you know, other entrepreneurs. So again, feeding the whole ecosystem of supporting entrepreneurs with a first an angel investing course, which I followed, which was actually very valuable for me to just understand about it and starting with it. So thanks for that. But also you created your syndicate and also you are involved as well uh, with Play Ventures in investing. So can you give us more context about how you decided to put some time into this activity and again, how it fits the whole system that you have around EGD supporting entrepreneurs? Yeah, sure. Like I had been curious about the investing for years, but I was too much heads down in trying to get next games going. So I couldn't have had time to really understand what it was about, really. Like, how do you become an investor? And once I left in 2019 and I had that free time, I I was also noticing that a lot of the peers in here in Helsinki were starting new games companies. And I felt that if it's ever going to be the time to think about doing investing, especially angel investing, that now would be that time. And I think I did like three angel investments uh, at the end of 2019 and slowly started talking more about angel investing through elite game developers as well. And that helped in a way to attract more and more startups to reach out to me and asking if I'd invest. So I I sort of got pulled into it and it felt great to help these founders give feedback on as they're pitching and then also like point out that why this isn't something I would be investing in. Uh, So like if I did those investments, it felt that I was also more aligned that like there was a long-term incentive for me as the founders were as well. So I think that was one of the main motivators there. So I I decided I also wanted to bring more people into angel investing, and because that was all, I felt that there was always this struggle in gaming that we have a lot of venture capital funds all over the place doing PR, everything, attracting a lot of visibility, and that's what the the basic game founder would think that this is where you get money from is the VC funds, but angel investors don't really create a lot of noise. And like one of the reasons is also that it's not very much like a profession you'd have 
in gaming. So I, I started doing these ideas, few ideas that I kicked off the Angel Syndicate late in 2020, which now has about 100 people from the game industry who are investing alongside me in deals that I'm presenting to this group. So I'm calling it the Joachim Syndicate. It's a, like a, a <laughs> Slack channel where, where we have like all the members are there and I, I show like, hey, this is uh, this company is raising like a pre-seed round. Uh, this is why I think we should be investing. And then it's like 100 to 200,000 uh, euros. That would be the, the total sum that we pull up as the group. And then there's another initiative that I started as well, which is this Gaming Angel Fellowship. It's like a series of online lecture videos. You can purchase access to that through Elite Game Developers. And then there's like a Slack channel for also for these course members. And from time to time, I bring some companies to that group, which are sort of like ones that are possibly too early for me to invest. But it's really good for people who want to get into angel investing to start learning what's going on uh, with different kind of companies, how they're pitching and learning also like how you think about different companies. So I think both of these initiatives are to fix the issue for the founders to actually have more funding sources like angel investors. There are many people out there who are willing to do that, but they're not you know, advertising themselves as angel investors necessarily like uh, CEOs of well-doing gaming studios could definitely be angel investors. So, yeah, I'm not doing it in a way to actually like, you know, succeed in something besides like this is something that there, I, I just felt that we need more like these kind of angel initiatives to figure out more funding ways for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And having followed your uh, course on this, so I wanted also to give uh, here the feedback on how, of course, it impacted me and my perception about angel investment. To be honest, I never considered before uh, angel investing or investing at all as a form of investment. But one thing that it, where it helped after following the course that you put online, it made me, made it more accessible, like more reachable that oh, it's not as scary as it sounds. And I say that as well as, you know, women investing is a new thing as well, where we grow in career, have a certain wealth that is developing and we find ourselves like, okay, what do we do with this now? Nobody taught us. Where, where to start, you know? And for me, it was very helpful to yeah. uh, get some direction to make it, again, accessible, showing a path that, okay, these are the next steps. It's not that complicated and also being part of a syndicate helps a lot. And all of this removes the friction that I had uh, first mentally and also logistically to just get started and see the benefits of it and how joyful it could be also to support other entrepreneurs, founder teams that you really believe in. And it's another form of also contributing to the system to see different games to be made or different teams, you know, having chances to uh, create different things. Yeah, you're actually like very much right. If you talk to people in the game industry, startup founders even, like they how they understand investing is that they they see how it goes when they're trying to raise money, but it's not always very transparent on like why they why they're not getting money and that can leave also into this kind of like bias that 
most of the investors were successful before they went into investing. But the people who, who sort of like get, get stuck and don't get funding, they're sort of like stuck for a long time. So I think there's a lot to go into as well into like how investors give feedback to founders and like giving them actually helpful feedback to, to push forward. Mm -hmm. So now that we have um, touched the different, I would say, activities you have, which is uh, sounds a lot to me, a bit overwhelming, uh, not in a bad way, but more in a impressed way, you know. So you have elite game developers and you have um, angel in investing track uh, as a whole, I would say. You're also involved with play ventures and also personal life. Well, you have a personal life, you have a family life. I just wonder, you know, a day is made of not 24 hours, but let's say, I don't know, 16 hours. And how do you manage your time? Uh, how do you keep focus? How do you organize yourself to put um, time and attention to these different areas of life? Yeah, that's a great question. So my philosophy when, when I was, that was 2019, early 2019, when I was leaving Next Games, I was uh, reading this book called Company of One, from Paul Jarvis, um, it's it's about like how how do you how do you build a company with only being one person <laughs> as the company? It's because I really felt that I don't want a team, and that I would rather like plan on going solo for as long as possible. So on a high level, this is like if if you think about how I split my time for work. So fifty percent I want to dedicate to. To elite game developers i feel that i'm like i'm mostly a creator and i will never stop being one so every week i want to publish at least one new podcast episode and send out 1500 to 2000 word newsletter so the content of course that that newsletter is constantly changing i'm trying out new things i'm sort of like looking at like do i create one newsletter piece which only contains maybe one essay or something, or do I piece it up into smaller essays? But yeah, that's 50%. And then the other 50% goes into investing and spending time with founders, uh, like this one-on-one -on -one stuff. I have roughly 10 companies now that I'm regularly spending time with. Uh, it's mostly like bi-weekly meetings with the CEO or other founders in the team. And the topics vary a lot from giving feedback on their game, on some fundraising stuff, or just doing leadership coaching uh, and improving the systems that they have internally to, to kind of like come up with better, better ways of working and creating a better company. So I'm working on more formats, possibly some shared helping between the companies that I'm working with. So that's something maybe that I'll do in the fall. So my role at Play Ventures is mostly helping with the existing portfolio, doing bi-weekly calls and board meetings with the CEOs. Uh, I don't do any of the, the new deals with Play Ventures. So it's there's some occasions where I, I do co-invest personally or with the syndicate on something that Play Ventures is doing. But that's very that's not usually like the role that I play there. Um, but how to make this all work? I I spent a lot of time thinking about the systems of how I work. Um, one thing I really early on decided is that I'm going to dedicate the AM, so 
every all the hours before noon for creative work, which is about writing, editing podcasts, creating some kind of content. Uh, no meetings, no podcast recording meetings either. <laughs> uh, so I close my email and Slack and mm-hmm. turn on my phone to to do not disturb for that time when I'm in the creator mode. Then last year I, I started getting more deeper into how to improve the systems. I I'm a big fan of Cal Newport who, who wrote this deep work book and and a few other books on productivity, and he has a really good podcast called deep questions Mm -hmm. it's a really good place to to dive into if you're not a reader but a podcaster his models are very practical like there's Mm -hmm. big takeaways on how you plan your week how you plan like do this time blocking per day and you commit on doing that like if at the middle of the day you need to take a quick call you need to modify your time blocks for that day immediately so it's sort of fascinating how much you can achieve when you're sort of like eliminating all the bs of you know ad hoc emails ad hoc slack i think that's like over 50 percent of where my time used to go in my previous life like what (laughs) was sucking my sort of like day-to-day time and now it's not there. I'm thinking like more of this kind of, hey, here's my office hours from three to four. That's when I'm going to reply to my emails, reply to Slack, you know, this, this kind of life change. It's, it's not always working. Um, I'm trying to sort of like create more discipline. I mm-hmm. think like this Jocko Willink, uh, this Navy SEAL guy who's written a lot of leadership books, he talks about uh, discipline uh, equals freedom and that's like totally right <laughs> that you need to you need to have a system and you need to follow the system mm-hmm. and the cool thing is that the the system will tell you how you're doing or you can you can measure your own sort of like how you're doing when you're sort of like getting more disciplined out of these things and suddenly you're creating a lot more work from your days so yeah i think there's more there's much more for me to explore and experiment with. So happy to talk about that later, maybe in a few years, what's going on. But yeah, like just, you know, like doing some meditation helps to get more focus because it really like turns down the volume inside your head of like crazy things going on. Eating healthy, exercising every day, sleeping eight hours, talking more about like what are the emotions that are going through your head uh, with people that you know and um, all of that sort of like brings you back into like hey this is like clear this is what I want to do let's just do it yeah I want to reflect a bit on what you just shared which is an important part as well with people in very busy positions with there's always more that you can do with the time you have I think it's impossible to avoid and I like to think like either you put your time accidentally in things like tasks and life manages you more than you are managing your time in life. And what you just shared is that first there's clarity. I think it's important to acknowledge that you seem to have clarity about what are um, important area of your life and how much you want to dedicate focus and attention. You think uh, in percentage and I think it's a good system, you know, to it may not be 50% exactly that you spend in this particular area. 
but it's a mental model for you to know where are your priorities and how you should structure your day and time to make sure that this priority deserves the attention and your focus as it should be. And uh, that's the discipline and uh, routine you created for yourself to, you know, to follow kind of not the plan, but more the priorities that you set for your life and not the other way around, like getting your time sucked by distraction. Yeah, I, I think like the problem is that like we we have all this, the smartphone is sort of like not so smart. <laughs> so it's <laughs> yeah. the, the, like, I don't have Facebook installed. I don't have Twitter installed. I don't have LinkedIn installed. I, I think like I do spend time on, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, but those both happen during my office hours, sort of like that time block in my day when I am there. And I, I use a lot of scheduling as well for stuff that I want to post on social media. So it's like automating also a lot of these things that can be automated helps a lot. And following up more on the clarity you have about your priorities, it comes down again about having clarity on personal values. And what are your main, I would say, two personal values that you have in the work and life that help you make decisions? Yeah, good question. I, I, when we were talking about this podcast and you were asking about the values and I, I was thinking like, you know, the it's very hard. I have never actually defined my personal values, but I spent some time last week thinking about this. I think two of the ones that mm -hmm. are very clear for me now that they've surfaced in the last two years is to do meaningful work. It's one value. Uh, I feel that it took like 20 years to discover this this value, <laughs> like doing work that has output, which is useful and helpful for people. I think that's like how I define that value. And the second one is being personal. So I, I want people to get to that level where they can freely talk about their emotions, be it with the kids or like meeting with founders or that I work with or fellow game developers. My question is like, hey, what are you afraid about? Like you can ask that question and you can sort of like work with the person on that together or sort of like be there for what they're what they're saying. Uh, nobody needs to sort of like keep this inside and, and suffer in silence uh, with their fears. So I, I think those two meaningful work and being personal. Yeah. And I'm happy that uh, at least me asking the question help you uh, maybe verbalize it even a bit better. And I'm sure as well, they get also more uh, crystallized in the, in the future. So yeah. uh, contributing a bit to it in some way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's um, great. Yeah. And about being personal, you actually mentioned something about yeah supporting founders to be more open about it. What do you think are the blockers that prevent yeah, entrepreneurs, founders, people in general, with the work being more personal. What are your thoughts? Mm. Like you have been reading a lot of these leadership books. So I, I think this might, because I've been spending time as well, reading all of the, the mm -hmm. great books out there. Like the latest one that I read, read was uh, Creativity Inc. And going back into like not feeling safe to say all the things that you have in your mind, like going into those things that 
you're thinking about when you're going to bed at night like if there's some some things that you wake up and you're like oh no that i need to face that today and things like that like talking about those with somebody is not sort of always like in society like as a like hey let's do that let's have that discussion it's like that's how we do but rather we we try to cheer up people we try to um, motivate them and Mm -hmm. like talking about fears is not usually synonymous with cheering people Um, I think like one way to do that is to just like like just give examples of how you talk about your own fears Uh, I think you shared a really interesting article recently about like what what you could could have done better with your studio in 2020, which was a great read. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think anybody on any kind of level in the industry, outside of the industry, that's what people could practice more, uh, being more open this way. I think there are certain like people who probably will have a hard time. Like if you're like a CEO of a like growth company, like it's it's very hard to sort of like open up. Um, but I think it, it also helps there if you create expectations with your investors, whoever, that mm-hmm. that we're going to be, you know, we're going to be open, we're going to be transparent and not hold back anything. Yeah. And I want to support as well here the message uh, about um, what are the benefits and virtues of opening up more when you're in a position as well of uh, power or leadership. I think it has several benefits. First, it's really, I would say, self-centered, at least for me. It's a very helpful also and healing process where we go through so much, the stress, the, sometimes the regrets, you know, uh, looking back what happened. And uh, we carry a lot on our shoulder and it, it's it's like a baggage and it accumulates over years. And for me, just writing it down, uh, reflecting on what happened, taking responsibility and ownership on what has happened was a very healing process as well to um, take accountability and share as a result also vulnerability that, hey, as a leader of a studio, I am still a human. I am not unbreakable. I have um, also emotions. I have things that have affected me and it's hard in this job. And it makes also people relate, whether it's your team, your peers, others of industry. And uh, like you mentioned, it's hard to be alone in this and you shouldn't be alone. I think I'm very grateful to have a lot of people supporting in this journey of entrepreneurship. Mm. Yeah. One thing I wanted really like add, which, which was something that really came up when this creativity ink, I was reading the book and I was like, yes, this is like so true. Like you there are facts that aren't spoken. Like, you know, there's mm-hmm. something that commonly everybody knows this is wrong in the company, mm-hmm. but we don't talk about it. Everybody, like, like you're like in a situation where you notice the problem, but then in your head you're saying, oh yeah, well, everybody knows this thing and we're not just going to be doing anything about it. And you don't say it out loud, but you're saying it to yourself and then you just move on and you just... You notice the problem. Everybody notices the problem, but it's not talked about. You know, that kind of feeling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and people always know. Uh, and so either, again, you take responsibility for 
things that happen, you know, you have awareness and uh, you will do something about it as well as, you know, the founder, the leader, yeah. or you look away and, you know, people will know and talk about it whether you want it or not. Hmm, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's switch gear also on another topic, which is important as well for me. And, you know, it's probably also a big topic these days in the gaming industry because of recent events. But I wanted to ask you as well about it, about diversity and inclusion and what's your yeah. position about it and, I don't know, any actions you've done? Yeah, um, I think it's sort of like something that I've definitely tried to work on to become more aware of my shortcomings on how to approach where I have a lot of sort of I would say power is probably the wrong way, but I, I can definitely influence people in the industry. Mm -hmm. But how do I influence them in a way that supports more uh, inclusion in the industry is still something I'm trying to figure out. For one, like how, how that content could expose the areas in the industry where it still is lacking. That's, that's an interesting place. I, I think I need to partner with people to sort of like educate myself on it as well uh, on that level where somebody has most likely spent more time thinking about these issues. Mm -hmm. So I, I did this annual review for 2020 uh, in December in my newsletter. And I wrote that I only had like two or three founders and investors from diverse backgrounds on my podcast during the last mm. year. And it was kind of like the, the white male founder or investor was featured as a guest, like 90% of the episode mm. over most like 95%. So this is something I, I was thinking a lot when I was writing this review, that this is something I want to really focus on for 2021, for having more people on the show who can come and talk from, a diverse background so i think there's it's a lot better i think i'm approaching like 20 percent now but I, I think i can do so much more and like setting another goal for 2022 is going to be the way to do that and, and possibly thinking about like partnering with people on on that topic and helping myself grow as well because i i know i can do a lot better and uh, have to just uh, allocate that time to to spend time on that topic because it really matters to me. I, I think like there's so much sort of this, this kind of like unbalance in the industry for people who are not, you know, given the time and their, their sort of like place in the industry is sort of like downgraded because of their background or something. And I, I really hate that, that it's happening and just need to find more ways to, to bring it to the surface. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for sharing openly. And I would say it starts with awareness and uh, you definitely share very transparently, openly how it was for you and more like the awareness and about like the representation you had as well on the podcast in 2020. So it's already for me uh, listening to you a step and uh, the intention is really important. So um, I wanted to say as well, you know, as a peer and, and friend, that 
um, not blaming yourself, you know, and uh, be already grateful or, or proud that you are already taking these steps is for me already a big step. And I'm very uh, confident that you will find a way to contribute at some point meaningfully as you have approached many things you've done so far. So it's just a matter of time when I hear you. But thanks again for sharing. Thanks, Sophie. That does mean a lot. Thanks. Then next, I was curious, and I'll combine here two questions I had around uh, psychology of money and investment, because I asked this question from an investment point of view where I am in this position now starting with angel investing, and I'm pretty sure so it will be relevant for the audience. I have many questions when I'm about to invest, you know, what can go wrong, feeling of future regret, is it the right way for me to spend money, how do I make a decision? So I was really uh, curious to hear more about what is your internal process in decision-making in how you invest and your philosophy around money. I think like as a founder, I had all the eggs in one basket. So I, I think like investing and uh, like the format of like putting several bets into several companies is exactly the opposite of not having all the eggs in one basket. Uh, so I think I'm also of that mindset that I can start doing more like small bets at first. And as I get more like experience and see some returns, I can increase my bet. I've been doing now like only this kind of like, first I started like with 5,000 euros and now it's been going into like maybe 10,000 euros and eventually probably will, you know, go up from there as well. So I think... There's so many studies out there and all of them point out that, yeah, startup investing is risky. So out of like 10 investments, one of those will be a big win and it will cover all the losses and give you a profit. So like I'm currently putting all of sort of like the cash that I can sort of like currently invest into startups because I, I think I'm in this kind of unfair situation where I can be talking to pretty much all the the teams that are starting studios at this stage. Like people are just reaching out to me and I see that, okay, these are really good studios and, and they're raising funding and I, I can get to participate. So it gives me some better odds of like, if it's like 10 investments and one works, uh, maybe, maybe it's not as big, but like, I think maybe it's like, out of eight investments, one works. So that's, it's still risky. You can't really bet on only the team. Also, what is the team going to be doing? How hard is it? How much money will they need to do that, what they're doing? So I think like if I could participate in every deal on earth, the, I, I think the odds wouldn't, I couldn't improve them by more than maybe 10 to 15%. Uh, even though I would be the best, like everybody wants my money. <laughs> like, you know, it's <laughs> uh, it's not going to help. But like thinking about, you ask about this psychology of money. I think what I naturally gravitate away from is this kind of lifestyle upgrade. Like I don't need to be you know, owning a nice car or having a fancy home or apartment. Uh, I think like that kind of lifestyle upgrades for me personally, they would just bring new problems and 
and suddenly I need to be taking care of more things than I feel I need to. So more like a simple life and simple systems like equals less headache and burnout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that last line reminds me, I read that in Enterfragile actually. Okay. That indeed you become less Enterfragile where you desire more, you know, materialistic things. So you upgrade your lifestyle and you have more costs actually of maintenance which is, you know, I don't know if you have a big house, you have a car to maintain and other things and you become fragile to your lifestyle. Uh, so if, I don't know, things are taken away one day, you know, economic crisis, uh, loss of job, I don't know, many things can happen, what we call black swan events, yeah. then you have to continue to maintain the lifestyle cost or you don't have any more of the same situation. It's a good wisdom, you know, to what do you need to live uh, well, make your life meaningful and uh, keeping like the standards no matter how much you earn you know yeah it's a hard discipline but again comes down to discipline (laughs) yeah exactly yeah a bit further as well life management life values so we talked about psychology of money and another topic for me that is always like on the line for people who are again busy with many responsibilities the stress and uh I think you touched this topic quite uh, a lot as well, talking about burnout. So based on what you have learned from this burnout you had, how do you cope today uh, with stress? What are your practices to, you know, not go again in the situation you were? Yeah, that's good. Really good question to ask. I think many things that I do every week and every day have sort of like revealed themselves as being work. Like, This is something I didn't really think about earlier before I started noticing that I'm mentally fatigued from all sorts of activities. Like Mm -hmm. when I'm listening to a podcast or reading a book, I often do it because my work motivated me to do that. Like, you know what I mean? Sort of like I'm I'm reading a leadership book. That's not like relaxing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not. I'm not doing it for an entertainment or or fun reason, but it's a project that I have in my mind. So I'm thinking more about like, this is something I've I've noticed that instead of a podcast, I turn to music on Spotify and I really feel much better. Instead of a nonfiction book, I would Mm -hmm. go for fiction or watch a movie instead. That's also like something that really helps. I, I think you can have both. But like maybe, you know, you listen to podcast maybe 30 minutes a day. And then if you still want to listen to something when you're doing some chores or something like try out music, you get sort of like out of that work mentality there. I think the same goes for this context switching, which uh, Cal Newport talks a lot about like this. If you're doing like rapid response emails or messages, like slack messages every hour of the day like when you're doing trying to write something like uh, uh, important deep work and then you you're answering slack at the same time i think that also like creates crazy amount of stress so i think like another thing also is saying no more often uh to to Mm -hmm. all sorts of requests uh try to to say no 10 times before you say yes Mm -hmm. is an interesting way and then a final thing to add is that really works is meditation. It doesn't 
doesn't need to be that complex. You just sit there, close your eyes and just let things sort of like flow through your mind. You don't need to force what your mind is thinking. Just do that for 10 minutes every day in a quiet space and you will eventually in a few weeks start noticing that sort of the noise and uh, the busy sort of noise in your head calms down and you can start suddenly only think like you only have one thing in your mind and you can focus on one thing a lot more i, th- I think there's many things you can do to improve your life yeah and very good practices that you shared thanks i relate to you so some of the things you said you know where even activities you think that are not work are some way related with work and it doesn't make you rest. I think the biggest challenge, especially mm. for people where work is a big area of your life and defines a big part of your identity, I think there's another part of identity to define who are you when you are not working and, uh, you know, finding hobbies. It's not a question yes. that also many entrepreneurs ask themselves when it's all their life until unfortunately a burnout happens and they're like how do you rest how do you use it free time you know i, I know many entrepreneurs when they're have an exit or they are very wealthy like i don't know what to do with my life when i'm not working <laughs> mm, yeah well one thing i'm exploring now is how to sort of like get involved with community mm-hmm. like more about like people who are physically like in your community like creating well-being for strangers and things like that and being involved in in those Mm -hmm. kind of places that's very new to sort of like how I've seen the world and how I've approached spending my time so I think all of this is sort of experimentation that you want to try out things and see what the experiment sort of like what kind of results you got from the experiment and then do something else and, or iterate on on the things that you're trying. Like you would be developing a game. Mm-hmm. I love this approach and it's a very playful way to approach life, you know. Everything is a, a little playground. You try, you mm-hmm. learn and then, you know, you uh, iterate. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Okay, so we reached also the end of our discussion. I'm sure that I would have many other questions I would ask you, but probably out of this podcast. But uh, for today... Let's close with a conversation and I always end it the same way with all my guests to look towards a bright future. And I have three hot questions on this topic. So my first one is what are the next big steps for EGD or the Angel Syndicate? Yeah, for elite game developers, I I think I'm going to take a lot of small steps (laughs) instead of big ones. I might be doing some paid lectures in the fall. Why I say that is a small step is it's I can experiment with creating lectures that I do for two hours and see if people are really like liking them. Should I continue doing them? Should I create like more like this recorded mm-hmm. masterclass formats out of some of those lectures? But I first want to do a small experiment where it is maybe two hour workshop if people are willing <laughs> to do enroll into those kind of lectures then i will do more like permanent ones out of them so like smaller steps like that and for the syndicate i hopefully more interesting deals and more risk taking and also maybe surfacing the deals a bit differently creating these kind of like recordings with the founders to sort of like like have something more to share with the syndicate of 
what the founder is like, how they talk, how they pitch. So there's like for sure more deals coming to that syndicate as well. I'm excited about that part. Really looking forward yeah. to hearing more about it. <laughs> and my second question. So you are yourself, again, personally, to me, very inspiring person in the industry who uh, contributed a lot to the ecosystem and who initially inspired you, you know, like role models in the industry or personally? Yeah, good question. It's so hard, actually. I, I think mm -hmm. like out of the gaming people, I always looked up to, to Sid Meier for what he did with Civilization. I think it's a monumental game. That That's sort of like the game that I always go back to every now and again. Of course, probably I'm not playing anymore the ones that Sid was involved himself, but his legacy, you know, in the sequels. I'm really like a game design, sort of like, I gravitate towards really great game designers. In a sense, that's where I get a lot of the inspiration from in, in this industry. But if I just go into entrepreneurship, I think I'm inspired by all sorts of authors, movie makers, musicians, so not just game developers, but because I think all of these people are sort of like entrepreneurs in one way or the other, probably not in the literal sense of starting a company, but they were entrepreneurs as well, driven to build their own selves in an industry. So some people I'm, I'm still wanting to explore. I'm really curious to learn more about Richard Feynman, this uh, physicist. And then Theodore Roosevelt is a really interesting character from this world, the leader, sort of like historical figures. And possibly Walt Disney as well, who created probably the most amazing company. And uh, there's so much to uncover there. I don't think usually like a one autobiography will do, so I'll need to spend time there. But if I want to sort of like name one person that inspired me as a creator, I would point out Ryan Holiday, who is this author of uh, Obstacle is the Way and Ego is the Enemy and Stillness is the Key. He talks a lot about this kind of like stoic philosophy and how it is sort of like visible in modern day work and life of people. And he has a podcast called Daily Stoic, which is really good. There's a lot of good interviews there on a lot of the things that we were now talking about in this podcast. Why he inspires me? Because he's thinking a lot about this fulfillment and meaning, which I, I think a lot of people aren't doing enough in this planet. So, yeah. I can definitely recommend yeah, the Daily Stoic. If I was my book to go during the pandemic, where I read a chapter every day for 365 days, and it changed. It transformed nice. me, actually, perception of life and, you know, other things. So I can definitely recommend. And my last question, if you had one thing you wish to change right now in the industry, what would it be? Uh, I think in the game industry, like, I would like us to remind ourselves to have a long-term perspective on everything that we're doing because we want to keep on doing games as long as we can uh, so i think we want to stay healthy in both like you know spirit and heart and mind and talking about more about these emotions like what are you afraid about and and things like that and not just kpis <laughs> i think that's where we can sort of like grow as an industry yeah, totally agree. And I have a bonus question <laughs> just for you. What's your personal motto? 
I mentioned this before somewhere, but I always was sort of like striving to become a, a big entrepreneur. That was sort of like the motivator to actually build a big company. But I think now my motto is that I don't have to build the next superstar to be fulfilled. Mm. I'll take that piece of wisdom. Well, thanks, Joachim, for sharing all what you shared today. I really enjoyed the conversation and I felt like, you know, we would have a coffee somewhere. We would have probably a similar conversation. So thanks again for being here today. Thanks, Sophie. This was so much fun. Looking forward to hearing it when it goes live. Yeah. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this new episode of Raise and Play podcast. If you enjoyed the content and want to support what we're doing, rate and review the podcast, spread the word about it. If you'd like to contribute to the change too, reach out to me on LinkedIn for a collaboration. You'll find all the rest of the content on riseandplay.io, including my free masterclass on conscious leadership. Until the next time, 